Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. You can find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com, and of course here on YouTube as well. And uh, we thank you for sharing these videos with anyone that you might think being would be encouraged by what we're talking about here. Um, sometimes we feel a little bit odd and so unique doesn't land with a whole lot of people, but that's also encouraging because we believe biblically we are on a narrow remnant way path that is very, very few in number. And so we're okay with that. And so thank you for watching. It's very important to us that you do. It means a lot to us that you would take the time to watch. We are in the middle of a study just getting started. One that lied, one that died. In the prototype for the apostate church, we are primarily in 1 Kings chapter 12 and 13. And in part one, of course, a quick recap, we, we blew through the, the, the onset issues within King Jeroboam, how he had all these wonderful ideas to, you know what, let's just, let's just kind of worship God however we want. He, he institutes two golden calves, puts them in the temple, and he's doing, he has his own feast day. He makes his own day. Hey, why bother going all the way to Jerusalem? Don't go there. Let's just do something here. We've got this. We'll come up with some fun events for you. Let's just do that here. And all these different things he instates his own way, his own religion. And, and I brought that up in part one because I feel like it so, it so clearly mimics the modern-day Christianity that we have all inherited. Here in 2021, I've known my whole life, is just a new religion, Jesus, who did away with all that stuff that, that his father told him to do. Uh, it's kind of confusing on this side, but we talk about that enough. We're not going to rehash that yet again in a different way. And so that's primarily what we did. Then we introduced this man of God. Again, that's all he's referenced as in 1 Kings. This man of God is sent by Yahweh to bring Jeroboam a very hard word about death and bones and destruction and all these burning ashes and altars getting split in two, and that begins to happen in immediate ways. Right away, Yahweh begins to cause these things to happen. The altar splits, wham, bam, all these things are going on while he's still standing there with Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam, yeah, he's got some issues. He's a pretty idolatrous king. He does not get things off on a good foot for Israel, and we left off with the introduction of the man of God. And then we talked about how we're going to discuss an insert who comes onto the scene here in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 11. And he's just basically referenced as, as nebulous as the man of God is. This guy is just an old prophet. <laughs> um, so this is just a mysterious text. It's very unique in its blandness as far as referencing who in the world is even here. What's going on? Who are these people? And so we had the man of God, and we have now the old prophet. So the old prophet comes on the scene um, in verse 11. We're going to read some stuff about him. An old prophet was living in Bethel, and his sons came and told him, or his son, depending on what version you read, and they told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel. Same day now. That's, make a note of that. The words which he had spoken to the king, okay, the man, what the man of God said to the king is what the sons told the old prophet. 
the events of the day, they related to their father. And their father said to them, which way did he go? This is very interesting to me. This is such a unique story. We're not told so many things that I wish we were. Which way did he go? Why in the world? We're going to insert a lot of speculation because it's fun. It's exciting to do with scriptures like this. We have to fill in the blanks a little bit. We're not trying to rewrite biblical accounts, but I love asking questions. I love studying, saying, why did he say, which way did he go? (laughs) After hearing the events of the day. Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God who came from Judah had gone. So um, he said, the prophet, the old prophet, said to his sons, Saddle up my donkey. (laughs) So they did, and he rode away on it. This is just craziness. Verse 14, so he went after the man of God. He went after him, okay? And he found him sitting underneath an oak tree. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? He said, yeah, I am crazy old prophet man riding up chasing me on a donkey. (laughs) I added that part, of course. He said to him, hey, come home with me and eat bread. Uh Uh-oh, wait. Key phrase, same invitation from Jeroboam, right? We're going to hone in on these things in a moment. Exact same verbiage, same invitation. He said, verse 16, the same thing, a little less harsh, but he said virtually the same thing. I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of Yahweh. You shall eat no bread, nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. So he's saying virtually the same thing, again, a little a little less less harsh, but the same response to the same inquiry and invitation to come home and eat. But then verse 18, it gets very, very interesting. And he, the old prophet, said to the man of God, quote, I also am a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of Yahweh saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to the man of God. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. What? Wait a minute. Can I, can I just wish in my heart that there were some verses in between these two? <laughs> some, some dialogue or some wrestling or some inner turmoil with the man of God? Like, what? We're told nothing. Something changed in him that, again, we'll talk about in speculation. Why was he so firm with Jeroboam? And then, still firm... And hang, hanging on to the command of Yahweh to tell the, the old prophet no as well. No, man, I can't do that. It's forbidden for me to do that. I've been commanded and, and I cannot go with you. But then the, the sweet words of the old prophet come. And this is why we're bringing this up today. This is going to make sense. If you've been watching our videos for the last 20 or 30 days, this is going to make sense about why in the world I'm sharing this study these sweet words of the old prophet come to the man of God. Said, man, I'm a prophet just like you. An angel spoke to me, friend. An angel. But he lied to him. And the man of God is, 
is deceived and duped into believing this old prophet can be trusted. And he goes home and eats with him and drank water. Verse 20 of chapter 13. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. What? What in the world? Oh, man, I'm confused. When I read this the first time, I was like, wait a minute. Put my Bible down, looked at my wife. What is going on here? I'm like, what? I don't understand. This guy totally sounds like a false prophet. He's lying clearly word for word. And the man lied. (laughs) And then the word of the Lord comes to the man that seems like a false prophet. I don't get it. There's commentaries all over the place on, online and in books about this text. I have my own, my own opinion that we'll get to in, in mere moments. So the word of the Lord comes to this old prophet while they're sitting down at the table. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, quote, Thus says Yahweh, because you have disobeyed, rebelled against the command of Yahweh and have not observed the commandment which Yahweh your Elohim commanded you, but instead you have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in this place. And he told you, don't eat bread or drink water. Because of this, your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. His whole life's trajectory has changed because he sat down at the old prophet's table and disobeyed the commands of the father. In verse 23, And it came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for the man of God, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Now, when he had gone, and here all of a sudden again, boom, the dude's riding along on a donkey on his way. In verse um, 24, Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him. And his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it, the lion also standing beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and the lion standing beside the body. What in the world? So they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. Verse 26, this this is tough. When the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, quote, it's the man of God, the one who disobeyed the command of Yahweh. Therefore, Yahweh has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of Yahweh, which he spoke to the man of God. And I just, because I'm an immerser, I I put myself into the scriptures. And I'm trying to understand this scenario and my brain and my heart and my, my emotions were, were like, ugh, asking the Father, what is going on here? What is going on in this text? This makes no sense. So the man of God, in, his, in, in my opinion, in his arrogance, says, oh yeah, that's the man of God who disobeyed the commands of Yahweh. He disobeyed. He shouldn't have done that. But it baffled me because 
I, it's like I could hear and feel this old prophet man saying this in this deceptive spirit. Why? Why did the man of God go to this end? Because he enticed him to come to his house and disobey the word of Yahweh Elohim. It's craziness, right? So, so let's start up here, and then we're going to read the rest of this text because it's chock full of more stuff, man. We're going to jump around to all these different verses in different parts of the Bible that, are, that reference this point here hundreds of years later. But as we've been attempting to make clear throughout the, the studies and, and, and videos we've been doing over the last month or so, this thread, if you will, has followed all the way into this account, which is why I believe the Father brought it to our attention. We had better know and cling unwaveringly to Yahweh's commands. We can easily say in this hour, in this age, as if it's like different or unique. Now, we're on a downwards trend. We talk about that all the time, man. We're going down fast. But this, again, up here for now, right up here for now, the top layer of this, the simplified gleaning of what this is saying to us, deception can and will come from everywhere, anywhere, anyone as we talked about in the last series about the assimilation of the church, we talked about evil light and evil dark, which is why when I read this and I started giving myself to meditate upon the circumstances, ah, this is another way to say scripturally what we've been saying in other areas scripturally, culturally modern-day Christianity age that we live in that is being sucked into and swallowed up into the whole one-world governmental religion. And so this is a clear warning again up here to say to us, you'd better cling to Yahweh's commands or else you're going to be deceived by those who look like they should be men you can trust. Old prophets, an established elder man, who said, he told me, he told me, he told me he's like me. He told me he's a prophet. He told me he's a man of God. He told me, man, he told me an angel visited him and told him what I'm supposed to do. And to be precise, how much of that nonsense is being spewed right now all over media? These false prophets saying, I had a visitation from an angel last night at 2, at 2.30, at 4.30, at 6.30. Every night, angelic visitations, out-of-body experiences. And very few, well, you got two sides. You got people say they're just lunatics and don't even listen to anything God speaks prophetically, so they throw it all out. Or the ones who just like these people who have gone before us that we'd better learn from, you set up two golden calves, you look at each other and say, eh, whatever, why not? Just like back in the days of Moses. I don't think he's coming back down. What do you want to do? I don't know. I got nothing else to do. Let's go worship a golden calf. And there's the church today. There's nothing else going on. 
That guy says he's a prophet. He says an angel told him this. You want to believe it? Sure. Why? Tickles my ears. Sounds awesome. He's telling me things are going to get awesome for me and for the church. I'll buy it. So friends, let's just topically, before we move any further, establish the basic simple principle within this account. Man, you better know who you're listening to. You'd better know. (laughs) So we're going to read more of this text, but let's go over some things here. We're doing good on time. Again, this is one that lied, one that died, and the prototype for the apostate church. Some interesting speculations that we can make in light of what we are told in this text, of what of what we are told, because there's so many details as I've already referenced that, like, man, I wish, wish there was a little bit of information stuck in there, <laughs> but there's not. So a lot of these things we have to speculate on. Maybe this is what was happening. Maybe this was the intent of the prophet or the intent of the man of God. Maybe this is what was going on based on what we are told. If this old prophet was a real one, again, these are some of my presentations of speculation. Just wondering. If this old prophet was a real one, would he not have also been crying out as the man of God did against the idolatry of the land? Okay, so we're not told that he was doing one or the other, but we're, we're not told. Sometimes what we're not told is the most obvious thing we're told, if that makes sense. Perhaps not. It makes sense to me. We're not told that this old prophet that was in Bethel was crying out against all this ridiculousness in the temple that that Jeroboam was instating. We're not told he was crying out against Jeroboam's ways, against the idolatry. Yet he makes no reference that he has been doing so at all. He's not, he's not saying he's like him in that sense, like with specifics. Following the pattern of the specific goings-on of this time right here in chapter 13, primarily chapter 12, this prophet had likely forsaken his function and followed the idolatrous ways enacted by Jeroboam. I would submit at least in possibility, he used to be a prophet, like a real one, that heard the word of the Lord and maybe spoke it with truth. Maybe, again, speculative. But... If we see this pattern of down, 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 away, further and further away from the commands of Yahweh Elohim, can we not say it's very possible that he was in the midst of that downward spiral and he himself abandoned his function? Lazy. Apostate himself. It's very possible. Again, because of the goings-on of the time period in that land specifically. What about the significance of the son or sons relaying this information to their father, the prophet? Why did they do that? Why did they run back and tell him that? How did they know? Why were they there? What was their function? What were they doing there? Did they work at the king's palace? Did they work in the temple? Did they? Why were they there? Why did they know about the events? Was it hearsay from just other people who were there? We're not told. I like to think about these things. Perhaps the son or sons maybe saw this man of God as a threat. Maybe they had 
a business that would be affected, like we see in the scriptures, even into the New Testament accounts, where the false pagan idolatrous people peddled their services for gain. Maybe they saw this man of God as a threat. Maybe they saw him as a personal threat. Maybe they were considered prophets. As a son of the prophet, that would have been something back then, very possible. Maybe they too were prophets considered. And they saw this man of God coming in and, 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 and coming against the ways of the king and speaking a prophetic warning and signs and wonders are happening right away. Huh. Maybe he was a threat. So they wanted to, in a juvenile sense, they wanted to go tattle on him. Tell their dad, hey, dad, this guy's in town. He's shaking things up. It's not looking good for us. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Why did the man of God so harshly deny Jeroboam's enticing offer? His verbiage was hard. He's like, dude, I don't care if you give me half your house. I'm not coming over. I don't care what you offer me. I'm clinging to the, to the commands of, of, of my father. I would say that's simple. Jeroboam was easily identifiable as evil, opposing Yahweh's ways, his commands. Easy. So he responded with some a little bit of angst. Look, man, I'm not coming to your house. Give me half your house. I'm not coming. Why? Blatantly obvious, easy to call out Jeroboam as one who opposed the commands of Yahweh. Yet the prophet... Not so easy. Not so obvious. And sadly, this man of God lacked discernment. He lacked the discernment to see that the old prophet, although he identified with him, as we'll get to in just a minute, he failed to realize that even the old prophet himself was luring him to be deceived and leave the commands of Yahweh Elohim. Sound like the Garden of Eden to anyone else? I would say that has some touches of that account in it. Some key points that went unnoticed and undiscerned by the man of God that we can learn from. As we think about who we give ourselves to, who we listen to, who we watch, even this here. If I start spewing heresy and things that contradict the word of God, burn this channel up and never come back again. That should be our, our serious soberness. So, some key points that we see that the man of God failed in. The prophet told him these things. I just named five things that should have been some things that gave some discernment opportunities to the man of God, but he just missed because of these points, these attributes, if you will, of the prophet overrode the discernment and soberness of the man of God. The prophet, number one, said he was just like him. So he identified himself as the same as the man of God. So he tried to say, look, look, brother, I'm just like you. Identified. Number two, the prophet said that he had an incredible and angelic encounter. Oh, boy, is this front and center today in this age of Christianity and prophetic movements? The old prophet said, man, the angel delivered this message to me to give to you even though it opposed. Man, Yahweh's messengers will never oppose his commands, friend. If you're told to do something that doesn't line up with the commands of Yahweh Elohim, 
You say, buzz off, man, right now. Get out of here. It's not true. Yahweh will never contradict himself. And if it seems like he is, it's us that has the problem. We better work it out with discernment and fear and trembling and then make a move on that. Don't be confused. Don't be deceived and led astray. Number three, the prophet was a self-appointed prophet. He was claiming to speak the word of the Lord by his own admission. He identified himself. We're not told that the man of God was told by Yahweh or an angel himself revealing it to the man of God that this is in fact a prophet of the Most High. He assumed the old prophet was trustworthy. He was a self-appointed prophet who hears from angels. Must be trustworthy, but was not true. Number four, the prophet was deceitful and cunning. Now, he was seemingly benevolent and kind to invite the man of God into his own house for rest, for food. But he was deceitful, as we're clearly told, and he lied. (laughs) And the man of God, again, sadly did not discern this issue. Number five, the old prophet was likely older and although errantly presumed to be a wise elder that could be trusted. We've touched on this already just in the last couple minutes. It was presumed by mere appearance and literal identity, this old prophet in the self-assessment of the man of God by the man of God was saying, you know what? I just believe this guy is true. He's older than me. He's experienced. He says he's a man of God. He says he's a prophet. He talks to angels. All these things add up to what? He's trustworthy, but it was not true. He was deceived. We see judgment fall on the man of God, not on the prophet who lied. This Now, when I read, when I read that account about the lion, we're going to talk about the significance, significances the intricacies of even that, about some things. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Even about the lion and how he died and what's going on. Ask some more questions. It doesn't seem fair, right? It doesn't seem fair that this prophet would come, deceive the man of God who's there to deliver the word of the Lord, to bring cleaning to the house of Yahweh and repair and undo and bring and tear down the ways of the evil king. He's deceived, lied to, and he dies. What? This doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem righteous at all. Doesn't seem like how a God of justice would treat his man. But I was reminded of Uzzah. Taught on this before years ago. How Uzzah grabbed the ark that that housed the, the holy, perfect presence of Yahweh Most High died. The oxen see the hay or whatever it was in the barn beside them as they're going down. He looks to the right. The oxen look. The cart shifts. The ark of the presence of the Most High begins to fall. And Uzzah, as any one of us would rightly do, tries to keep the presence of God from hitting the dirt. And as he does so, he's struck dead the very moment that it happens. Is that fair? What's fair? We don't understand 
We don't understand the presence. And we don't understand the commands of the Most High. We do not understand them. We have exalted ourselves above them and we justify every single thing we do and say, surely God wouldn't be that hard. Surely he wouldn't be that hard and just. Accounts like this, friends, show us the severity of the commands of Yahweh Elohim. If we don't get that from this account, there's no hope for us. And I mean that. There's no hope for us to rightly hold the weight of the commands of the eternal God. (sighs) Judgment fell on the man of God. There's no way around it. The prophet walked away. Please note that we see God's righteous judgment executed with precision. Then we're going to bring this part to a close. The body of the man of God was not devoured. Think about this circumstance now. We don't have time to read it again, but but the, the lion kills the man of God and sits down besides, beside the dead man and the donkey he was riding upon in the middle of the city, on the street. A lion sitting down beside the dead man and his donkey. The body of the man of God was not devoured. He ended up being buried. We're going to get to this stuff later. I don't even want to get to that because I've got to read it first. The things that Yahweh God does, that he carries out, do not have to make sense to our our just lowly minds. We don't have to understand it, but we had better bow our knees to it and say, your ways are right. Your ways are perfect. Whether I understand them or not doesn't much matter. So friends, out of this part, and we're going to move into part three right away. In this, in this series, one that lied, one that died, in the prototype for the apostate church, we had better get through our minds from this part specifically. You better know who you're trusting. You had better know who you're listening to. Your pastor, your teacher, your leader, your priest, your prophet, your Bible study teacher, your YouTube videos, you better know who you're listening to. Because a favorable word and a tickling of the ears is going to leave a lot of people dead in the streets from breaking the commands of Yahweh Elohim. We better be people of discernment. I don't care who we are, where we've been, or how much we think we know. We'd better be careful that we are men of discernment in this age and this hour especially to hear the word, the commands that we have been given, that we have been given, we better do them unwavering. I don't care who comes. If somebody comes with a differing word, we're going to talk about that in the next part. Whoever comes with a differing word, I've got no ear for you, brother. I've got no ear for you. I've got no space for you in my life. I don't want to hear it if it disagrees with the eternal commands of Yahweh Elohim. I don't want it. We need to be that set. We will be tested and tried, just like this man of God that I really do have compassion for. He was done wrong. He was deceived. But you know what? So was Adam and Eve. Made it all the way down to me and you. We have a choice. We have a choice to what voice we listen to. May it be Yahweh's and His alone. 
You've been watching the Path Design Podcast and listening if you're online at pathdesign.com. Send us an email. Pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com is the way to do it. Thank you so much for watching today. We've got probably two more parts of this study. You're going to want to tune back in. Let's take a quick peek at what we're getting to next. Oh, man, we're talking more about this prophet. We're going to jump over to 2 Kings, man. We're going to go into the future 340 years. It kicks back and references this point that we're reading in chapter 13 of 1 Kings. It's awesome. Make sure you come back um, for the third installment of this series, one that lied, one that died, in the prototype for the apostate church. You have been watching the Path Design podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Amen.